Welcome to Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is Jurgen Berkesau. I met Jurgen at PodFest this year in 2020, and I actually met him by accident. I was trying to go to a different session that was actually sold out, and so I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to pop into Jurgen's session, which was called SEO for Podcasting. I thought I might pretty much know everything that he had to talk about, but little did I know that I had a lot to learn, as always. I felt like after an hour of listening to Jurgen that I had my master's in SEO for podcasting. So I couldn't wait to ask him to be a guest on the show. And in this episode, we talk about all there is that you need to know and the most important things that you can take action on right away on making sure that your podcast is up, is optimized to be found in Google search and more. Enjoy the episode and namaste. Hey, Jurgen, how are you? Thank you for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you. Great for be, to, to be here and uh, thanks for having me. Yes. So a little background on how I came across meeting Jurgen, who I think is one of my best social PR secrets I have found this year, um, is I attended PodFest back in March, and it was pretty much the last event that happened before COVID shut everything down. And I actually, I don't know if I told you the story, Jurgen, but you were a speaker at, at PodFest, and I really wasn't going to your session. I thought it sounded interesting, but I thought since like, you know, I have a lot of background in SEO. I don't call myself an SEO expert, but I thought, you know, he's probably just kind of fluffing around SEO for podcast (laughs) people. (laughs) So I was going to Matt and Joe's um, hustle and flow chart session right next door, but there is a huge line out the door. And I was like, I am not standing for this session because I just was with them the whole day at the mastermind. So I said, I'm going to go to this podcast SEO podcasting SEO session. So I went and said, you actually had a line coming out of your room as well. And yeah, I, it got there, you know, so yeah, it was well attended. And, uh, you know, and I love being somewhere in between a secret and being fluffy about it. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it definitely was not fluff. I was so happy that I went to your session and I made my way to the front and sat on the floor. And just I, I think I had my um, otter taking notes. But so by the end of that session, I was like, whoa, I just got like this major kind of like mini master's course in podcasting SEO. And I just felt like I just found gold. So thank you so much for coming on because I, I want to share uh, with my awesome. audience. You. <laughs> so you have a company called Polymash. Tell us a little bit about your background and your company and, and what you do. Well, it's definitely a, a, a checkered and varied past um, of, of everyone going through a journey, you know, like, and, and no different here at Polymash. We've pivoted a number of times along the way. I think in the, I think started Polymash after a career in corporate um, and, you know, technology career in corporate. We started Polymash about 10 years ago as an app development agency, right around the time that the iPad launched and uh, we developed iPad apps and actually had the number two app on the app store, um, only next to Adobe PDF Reader, <laughs> was, you know, it was very, very much in the beginning. And so um, that sort of informed a little bit of how Apple and Walt Gardens and marketing on the iTunes store functions, because, you know, we launched some like a dozen apps over the next few years. And it just became very game centric at one point or another. And also it was never about the app. You know, everyone who we developed apps for really had a business purpose, a content marketing purpose, an inbound design, you know, purpose for their business in in mind. And we found ourselves advising people, you know, with our talents and our background and our histories. And uh, it turned into um, a podcast production agency, sort of not by accident, you know, more or less intentionally. My wife um, had a podcast that she started, and uh, I think this must have been around 2014. And we started thinking of podcasting as content strategy because no one liked producing SEO optimized content on their website. Most entrepreneurs and small business owners were hesitant and didn't want to write articles that much. And, you know, so we had this illusion that. Well, podcasting is much easier. Everybody loves talking about their stuff. They love getting in front of a microphone and interviewing a thought leader in their space. And it seemed to us that that was a very doable and easy way for 
the, our clients to get excited about producing content. And, uh, you know, of course, we were disillusioned quickly about the concept that it was way easier. You know, I think it's, it's not, but it grew from that perspective and launching more and more podcasts and watching the changes in the industry over the last, you know, six, seven years or so um, has been pretty interesting. And, and we've pivoted a number or, or rather podcast launches and using it as a content or form of content strategy has pivoted during those times as well. And now in present tense, you know, we're in a whole new changing, fluctuating and volatile situation that, you know, maybe we can touch upon in this conversation as well a little bit. Definitely. So, I mean, I see podcasts as the new today's blog, basically. Like it's never been, I think this is the most, I don't know if you have the current stats on podcasts today. Do you like that you can kind of just gloss over? Well, I mean, we we're way over we're way over a million, um, you know, now in stone launches, and and I think what jumps out for me is that just during COVID and now during riots, I mean, I I, I think that's just podcast listening has actually dis- declined and the listenership is going down, but in the month of April, I don't know, ninety one thousand new podcasts were launched, so you know, the, the everyone sort of being quarantined at home or staying at home more has given a huge boost and influx for a new podcast to be launched. I think it's become a much more understood and popular term. I mean, if you ask people a couple of years ago about a podcast, you know, you would get a lot of what's that and, oh, I don't do that. I don't listen to that. And I think, you know, the the, the zeitgeist behind it, you know, pretty much everyone is aware of it now. And that's um, led a lot of people to launch podcasts and businesses to launch podcasts with a whole variety of different expectations, intentions, and reasons behind them. And there's still the old school folks that, you know, have been around since 2004 or, you know, from the old, I mean, they are still very audio focused. And I think that from a multi-channel content marketing perspective, the people that are entering the space now are, you know, of all ilks and colors in terms of how they think of a podcast. There are still a group that thinks of it as audio. They want downloads and listeners and they want attention on iTunes, but there is a growing percentage of people that realize that that's not enough and that you're going to just be invisible for a long time relying on, you know, on sort of, unless you have a brand, if you've already have a platform and if you already have a brand, there are things that you can leverage. There's social media that you can use. There are lots of different ways in which to make that show grow and relevant. But um, but SEO was an overlooked for SEO for podcasters. You know, is a very much overlooked topic from from where we came from. Can you uh, give some examples of what does that mean SEO for podcasts? What what are some of the examples that you would use? Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, I I'll, let me try and compare and contrast because. Yeah. A lot of people still think that, you know, well, the way that you actually find a podcast is, okay, in your podcast listening app, right? You pull out your phone and you look on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher or on Spotify and you find a new show to listen to. That behavior is actually a f- tiny fraction of the behavior out there. Most people, uh, there was a study from last year's um, Edison Research Group that publishes industry-wide podcasting statistics every year. And it's 30% of the people out there search the internet. 20% find podcasts through recommendations from friends. You know, 16% find it through social media posts. So do you get the idea? Is It's like the, the, the uh, you know, the, what everyone focuses on during their podcast launch is to be visible on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. And that might give you a boost and it's great and you should do that. And you need to think about how do people find your podcast on the internet? And when you type in uh, the name of a podcast, what is it that you see? Do you see Apple, iTunes, Libsyn? You know, where, where, does it, where are you going to click to discover a podcast? And if you don't have a website for your podcast that is in position number one, you know, and if that's not the answer that you get when you search Google for that podcast that you heard about or that someone tells you about or that you happen to discover through Google search, you know, if that if the number one search result isn't your website, 
you, you know, you're kind of, a, you're sending traffic to people who don't need the traffic, namely Apple. You're sending traffic to these major platforms, you know, like that's the Nicholas Carr quote on digital sharecropping, where we do all the work to produce content for major platforms that reap the benefits. And, you know, we were the big believers in standing that on our heads and not doing that. So if you have a podcast, you should have a podcast website for yourself. And then the goal becomes for that to, you know, be the very first thing that if people search for your podcast that, that they find. And that's only a small goal because the next goal is that all of the time, all of the energy, all of the effort that goes into creating episodes, because it's not small, you're leaving a lot on the table if, you, if that content isn't searchable on Google. And if, that's, you know, if, if typing in the topic of what you're talking about doesn't attract Google's, as Google search audience, whether they are listeners or not, I'm almost semi-agnostic as to whether these are podcast fans and podcast downloaders and people familiar with that. So we have our methodology then grew into, you have to have an article for each podcast. The audio is just one form, it's just one way to consume that content. It's one modality. If you've got video and if you've got a piece of audio, you know, write that article because that article is what's going to get indexed on Google. And that is what shows up in the search results. And that what can, that's what can lead discovery. And for us and for our clients, 61% of their podcast listeners come through their website, through discovery of typing in keywords, discovering topics that their podcast speaks about, and then, you know, seeing that, oh, wow, the podcast, cool. Let me subscribe or even better, let me sign up for an email notification here because they have some cool content that is about what I was looking for. So just to be clear, um, because there's the podcast terminology and then there's the blog post terminology and then there's the website <laughs> terminology. So when you say an article, you're talking in essence about like what some call show notes. Yes, show notes, show article, you know, show notes is like a, some people in the industry dislike that term because it, it implies that they're just sort of minor notes on the fringes scribbled in the margins when in fact, you know, an article or, you know, yeah, a, a longer form version of what this podcast episode was about is what we're talking about. So it's, a, it's the same thing. It's a blog post mm -hmm. for the show that has an audio player baked into it. It might, it may or may not have a video baked into it, but it is what gets optimized and it's the central piece of asset. It's the central asset at the center that you're trying to attract, that you're sharing on social media, right? So you don't, you don't, don't share your Facebook post about your latest, I mean, you do that anyway, but, but you know, share the article that you wrote about the, what you discussed in your podcast episode and try to attract traffic and attention to your blog slash website slash business. So this week was kind of an unusual week with everything that was happening in the, in the US here. And um, Tuesday was um, kind of a, a, it was called Blackout Tuesday and PodFest sent out an email, basically if you were planning on dropping your episode on that Tuesday that everybody kind of just paused everything, right? Some brands participated in that, some didn't, but uh, it just brings me to, you know, we paused a lot of things for our clients, but we still went ahead and published um, some content, blog content. So blog content, podcast article, same thing. So what is your advice on when you publish your, the article related to your podcast episode or your show note, how quickly, what's the timing, what's the cadence of sharing it on social and what does that mean to Google? Yeah, so that's 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 interesting. I mean, the present situation, notwithstanding, I think that um, this is a theory that I have. So I have no definitive proof, but I think that the the methodology that we use for sort of publishing podcasts on websites, and I'm using plural here deliver, deliberately, um, is is a form of content syndication. So what we like to do is we actually like to publish you know, on your own site first, um, but we might wait a day or two and publish a copy of that on Medium, on Blogger, on actually we stretch this out over weeks, depending on how many other sites there are. And the SEO impact of that is that you are getting signals from backlinks over a period of time. So from my perspective and, and my hypothesis is that 
you are going to trickle up into, and I, you know, I just like I have no empirical evidence for this, but I have anecdotal evidence for this that you know within when we were using this methodology of trickling out content on other websites and creating social campaigns that would run for half a year with the occasional social signals or having influencers share some of the content that you've provided. It is better to not do that all on one day and basically, um, you know, flood the marketplace with promotion for your podcast. From our perspective, it's better to stretch that out for weeks and to have, you know, a natural looking backlink profile happening and that seemed to have resulted in or correlates at least with our podcast episodes that are optimized for certain keywords showing in the search results after three, four, five weeks a month, and also having relative stability of staying there and not, you know, volatility jumping into number one position. You know, that seems to be more the behavior that we observe from an SEO perspective when you publish everything at once. You might jump up into the top 10 for like a day or two and then you're right back down to like 80 or 90 or disappear off of the top 100. And so what we seem to have observed is that a steady flow of social signals and backlinks and backlinks are important. I mean, that's a that's another thing that we haven't talked about is that if you have guests on the show or if you appear on other shows, you might earn a backlink to your site. And that is still one of the biggest searching factors out there, regardless of what algorithm updates Google is dropping um, every, you know, on a month-to-month basis. So this steady acquisition of backlinks is a, great, is a really good thing. And by even distributing, getting backlinks, for example, from Stitcher, from some of the other high quality podcast uh, marketplaces where you publish your episode and where you put a permalink URL for your own website into your episode, you know, that accumulation of backlinks has been very successful for us and our clients. When you say, um, say the permalink, I know you, we talked about this or you touched on this also in that session. So can you just explain like wh- how, how you go about doing that or how somebody can go about making sure that the, the permalink is actually in the the podcast episode and yeah, maybe so there's some hosts don't allow for that right some platforms do not yeah. yes um, and, and many have come around to it but let's just take libsyn okay as an example of of some place that does support the permalink and when you upload an episode to libsyn you have several choices of how your feed the podcasting is an rss feed based feed medium and your your audio content is syndicated through this RSS feed and also seen and also the listening apps basically grab your podcast episode from the Apple podcast directory. So most of the apps that are in the Apple and iTunes ecosystem of listening apps will query the Apple podcast directory to retrieve information about your podcast. And so what's important then is that a link to your website actually exists somewhere, both in your feed and in the description that is being shared on these various different sites and listening sites, you know, so I'm talking about the different podcast marketplaces, for example. Um, But if you don't have the ability to actually add a permalink and then Libsyn gives you the choice to link to the MP3 file itself, And that means that if somebody shares your episode on social media, what they're in fact sharing is a Libsyn file that some other people, you know, that will resolve into a player and that people can listen to right then and there. But you kind of, you know, missing out if that's what happens when somebody shares on social media. What you want is you want that article that you created, the show notes that you created for that episode. That's what you want to go out and have people share and have people link to and uh, also earn backlinks from. And so the permalink is the URL that Libsyn accommodates as an option. And you need to make sure that you select that option when you publish an episode. And I see many podcasters who are blissfully unaware that that's even a choice. You know, they will just leave the default settings on Libsyn, which do not use a permalink and, you know, and publish the episode that way. I don't know, does that sort of... Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of platforms to choose from today when, if you're starting a podcast, if you were starting one today, do you have advice that you would give as far as which one to choose? Would it be Lipson or 
you can't go wrong with Lipsyn. I think that's a, you know, that's a great choice. And there are many other really reputable hosts out there. I think that, um, you know, one of the, one of the strategies that we advise our clients on is the sort of capability to actually inject your own dynamic audio promotions into episodes and not every platform accommodates that either. So my criteria for looking for a great podcast hosting platform, and I don't want to, you know, name or promote yeah. one over the other, right? I mean, we're just taking Libsyn because it's an industry standard and you can do this on Libsyn, but you have to pay a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, to do these dynamic audio promos. But what that allows you to do is that if you have a speaking engagement next month, even someone listening to your back catalog from two or three years ago would basically get a snippet of audio from you that tells them about what you're up to now. So it's a way of refreshing and revitalizing your back catalog with audio snippets that tell people what your latest you know, it could be a lead magnet, what your content is that you're working on, what initiatives you're excited about. And ho hopefully this helps your audience as well as staying more connected, but it definitely refreshes and helps your back catalog. So Wooshka, for example, is an Aus Australian uh, podcast company, and uh, they offer that even on their free plans. Um, and That's great. I think they've changed, you know, they're now starting to sort of clamp down on how their plans are formulated. But um, those are, and, and Wooshka, for example, also, you know, supports the permalink. I think Podbean, a number of other platforms do support that, but those will be the two criteria that I would look for, um, even if you don't use them, I mean, or even if you don't use the audio snippet part from day one, it's nice to have and changing platforms down the road is painful. So, you know, my view is you can't go wrong with Libsyn, but you know, but there are other choices out there and maybe you'd want to think about whether dynamic inserted audio content, apart from advertising, you know, basically running your own advertising on the ad platforms that many podcasts come with, whether that's a thing that you would like for your, or could see in the future of your show. Yeah. And speaking of dynamic content, you actually gave me this, gave me this idea for social PR secrets that I didn't think of. And I kind of took it to the next level not the dynamic content on, on the audio side, but on the, um, on the blog side, on the article side. So I've set up, and it's not 100% done yet, but for example, if somebody's listening to um, an episode talking about Facebook marketing and Facebook advertising, I can dynamically control so that at the end of that article, um, I might have a social PR secret recommendation of a Facebook course that I want to send people to. Perfect. And they're automatically, oh, awesome. you know, yep. put that at the end. And, you know, Hustle and Flowchart, they have their newsletter that I'm an affiliate with them too. And so if it's an, you know, entrepreneurish type of um, content, you know, I'll, I'll add that to the bottom too. Like, this is my favorite newsletter. This is how you stay in the know. So I think that there's really creative ways that you can dynamically, whether it's audio or on the, on the blog side, the website side to um, kind of mix up, you know, your, your content so that you're able to give people a different experience for every episode. Absolutely. I think that that's that content relevance is something that also I think in the direction just in general of how Google is uh, updating their AI and their algorithms. There's many gray hat, black hat and other sorts of ways of trying to game the system. But the one thing that stays true and the white hat way of thinking about that is creating great experiences for your website visitors and listeners and for the people who you're servicing. And so by becoming more relevant, like you're doing with your dynamic content, it adds to the relevance and it'll definitely drive conversions, you know, on those pages. And so I, I'd be curious to see what tech you, we have a stack that we use to achieve something similar dynamically, you know, based on the tags of the posts that are being published and those tags trigger Right. What lead magnet is shown, you know, at the bottom or, you know, what lead magnets are, are used. And I'm curious of how you have this implemented on your, on your end. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's with the, the, the categories. With that's categories how we're doing it. Using, so, yeah. yeah. That's how we're that's doing awesome. it so far. And I mean, so I'm, I'm the PR person, you know, we're, I'm not as, I haven't been as like deep into this digital marketing, like um, kind of like lead magnet, building a list, like public relations agencies in general aren't, they don't have this in their wheelhouse. Um, although the optimization thing I have had in my wheelhouse. So I'm just really loving um, 
the fact that what I love about podcasts from a PR perspective is that you can be the guest or you can host your own show and you mm. can be the media, right? <laughs> and, and either way, there's ways that you can optimize both, you know, whether you're participating in reaching new audiences or you're creating your own audience. Um, so I would just love to hear some of your tips on optimization if you are going to be, if you are the host and you're, you're just a brand starting out your own show or you wanted to start a show, like what are some actionable things somebody can do if they're just starting or even if they have a podcast, but they haven't thought about any optimization whatsoever? What are some yeah, that's things? A, I think that a lot of folks that are thinking about or in the process of launching a podcast um, and that are still in the process of it, I think there's a lot that can be done during that initial planning phase. And, you know, it's sort of an 80%, maybe a 90% planning and 10% execution exercise, um, you know, with like so many things. But for example, the smart naming of a podcast is everything. You know, if we look at, we met at PodFest and, you know, you, you met Katie Kremitzos, you know, one of the founders, the founder's wife, and we've collaborated on a number of things. And, you know, she's a great example of this. She had a brand new or a relatively new website with a relatively no, low domain authority, but she named it and her podcast is named the Women's Meditation Network, okay? And Women's Meditation as an SEO key phrase attracts something like 2,500 searches a month or so. And she and and it's a relatively competitive term. Yeah. So everyone on page one would actually have a domain authority far higher than the fifteen or twenty that she now has. You know, this is like I'm thinking about a half a year back when we were working together. I think her domain authority was in the teens, but guess what? Because she took out the right domain name, meaning womensmeditation.com. But even if she had taken out womensmeditationpodcast.com the fact that she took out and incorporated those key phrases into the name of her show and into the name of her website is what's causing her to be in firmly in position one for when you type, when you Google women's meditation, that's what comes up. And even though she, from a domain authority point of view, has no business being in first place. And so that's my number one tip for new podcasters is to actually you know, grab someone who knows something about SEO and, you know, brainstorm around finding key phrases that are still a great title for your show. You know, I, a lot of people do personal branding type podcasts and, you know, they want their first name or last name as the name of the show. Well, that works if you're a celebrity and you might have a built-in audience, but if you don't have that built-in audience, then, you know, often there are much better solutions to actually make it clear what your show is about because, you know, the content optimization, right? Because that's why people search for the thing that your show is about. So we had a story about someone who had a, I think I, I called it Five Palms Capital, but that, you know, it was a name of a, of a, of a podcast that in real estate investing and did, you know, that Five Palms Capital, you know, that no one searches for that. It's got zero searches next to it. So, but if you look for real estate investing, that's got a ton of searches. And of course, it would be pretty difficult to rank for. Well, actually, the domain realestateinvesting.com was still available. But you could even go out and take out a, a, a domain name called realestateinvestingpodcast.com if that was your bag, right? And so instantly, you've got 1,500, 1,600 searches on page one. And even with a brand new website, with a brand new podcast and a brand new domain, you can expect that within a few months and some good content, you will be on page one and you will get people discovering your show through SEO, if that makes sense. So that's for, for brand new people, you know, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the primary ways that, I, that we sort of evangelize utilizing content optimization. Uh, what are some Maybe, ways? Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, for you, you also asked. Well, what if you already have a podcast and that's no longer an option for you because you're, you know, you're married to the name of your show, and that can easily happen. Um, I think there, one of the one of the SEO-based methodologies that I would use is again, you know, hook up with someone who knows about SEO a little bit and get their brainstorm help or to do a workshop or do a session with someone like that because there's the likelihood that you are ranking on page two for a bunch of content out of your website and hopefully from your podcast. And if you are writing already 
decent show notes, there's a chance that some of those show notes might sit on page two or three of the Google search results for a key phrase that's relevant for your content and relevant for discovering your podcast. So one of the favorite tactics would be for existing podcasters is to try to optimize the content that lives on that or lives on that page. And with the latest Google algorithm updates, uh, there's a strong correlation from comprehensive topic coverage, meaning that the search results in the top 10 are often articles that cover a topic completely or almost completely or that are very in-depth, right? So you won't see a 300-word fluffy article um, on in the top of the search results. What you will much more likely see is a long-form piece of content with a table of contents on the top and so forth. So my advice for podcasters is find those opportunity articles or episodes that you had and optimize the show notes for that episode to go from a content grade. And there's some tools out there, ClearScope, we love topic because it's, you know, we, we've got a relationship and we have a, in our SEO Saturdays um, show, we've, we had the founder demonstrate that tool and it's awesome. It basically allows you to content optimize and get what they call a content grade and improve that. And it's, we did this and we have case studies that show a jump from page two to the middle of page one, you know, using this methodology. So there are, you know, there are low hanging fruit for many podcasters out there with content they may already be sitting on. Yeah, totally. So there's kind of two schools of thoughts when it comes to podcast notes. So the long form notes, I see a lot of um, podcasters there, they publish the long form notes, but then some of them publish just short, short form notes. And then they have the, the long form notes as a download, a free download with, you know, gated with an email, email address. So where do, where do you stand with that? Is there a way that you can balance that out? Or some of them are just open long form and some are, some are downloadable Gosh, I, you know, there's, I think there's a, um, I would love to hear from the SEO listeners in their comments on this particular piece of non-advice that I'm going to give, but it's something that I'm playing with, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the idea of utilizing, I mean, first of all, utilizing a transcript is a great idea because that transcript becomes indexable by Google. Now, it doesn't if it's a PDF download, of course. So, you know, my vote is utilize the transcript somehow. However, my other theory is that that alone is not enough. Right. You need to go in there and break it apart and improve the readability. I think that Google's AI is increasingly focused on user experience and readability is a big part of that. And if you add headings, if you add images, if you turn some of these things into quotables, if you you know massage the show notes, and I don't want to say disguise the fact that they are in fact, a transcript or originated from it. Polish it, right? Polish them, enhance them, make them more readable, make them better and, you know, but utilize them. So now you have that indexable content. That's the other extreme that you were talking about. Yeah. So maybe a, uh, you know, maybe a interim lead magnet way of doing it is leave the first page of your longer form show notes available and then use a content locking uh, plugin like Ooh. Thrive does that, a number of other ones yeah. do that, right? Where basically there's a form of lead generation that hides the content from a not logged in visitor, but displays it to anyone who's logged into your site. And so the lead map, you know, the, the signing up and leaving your email address unlocks the rest of that content. Now, Does Google see that content if it's, yes, if it's I believe, gated? I believe okay. they do, even if, okay. it, even if it is hidden, mm-hmm. uh, because it is indexable. For example, the contents of a course, mm-hmm. you know, we also develop courseware for a lot of people, and uh, the content of a course and articles on a course are also indexed by Google, even though you need to be logged in or you need to be, you know, they're hidden in a paywall. Now, I don't, I'm unsure whether this is true now and whether it'll always be true in the future. But that's my belief right now mm-hmm. is that, you know, if you were to use a content locking plugin, um, you know, the, the bots may not be smart enough at the moment to figure out, to ignore the part of the content that's not uh, indexed, right? Because these are hidden by short codes and so forth. So is that uh, completely white hat? I think probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
do I think that's always going to be like that? Probably not. You know, maybe the maybe the the search engines will get smart enough to where the bots would recognize that this is locked content that you need to unlock. But you know, like you need to have a Medium subscription, for example, to keep mm -hmm. reading. Now, are those articles indexed on Medium? Probably. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are lots of examples that I could think of where content is behind a paywall, but yet still indexed somehow. Uh, Forbes, Forbes Mar magazine article, you get there and, you know, sorry, right. you've exceeded your two reads this month and you've got to sign up to unlock the rest. So I think there's a, there are some easy ways of implementing that. We use Thrive Leads um, as our, you know, sort of stack that we, that we, you know, utilize for these things. And, um, and I think that if you left the first page public and, you know, unlock or lock away the rest of the article, because face it, a half an hour long co podcast conversation is going to result in three, four, 5,000 words, if not longer. So, you know, do you even really need, you know, in order to rank, do you really even need the full length of the transcript? And I think with, and they think maybe the answer is switching to a, that was a definite yes a couple of years ago. And I think the answer is switching to a, maybe content optimization and content grading is a better way to optimize the content that you have that can be shorter. So I believe that you could rank successfully for an article with 2000 words as compared to one with 10,000 words. If the 10,000 word one is not optimized, if that doesn't, hasn't gone to the content grading, if that doesn't cover the, cover the topic comprehensively, I don't think it'll do any better than the, you know, 1500 word extract that you might, that, but that you carefully made sure was covering the right topics. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, maybe another idea to that would be, you know, publish the long form content like you, like, you know, and not have any type of um, barrier to read the whole thing. And maybe at the end, it's like, you know, here are 10 more. It's kind of like they you kept out like maybe three more secrets that they have to get to download. And it's just the download doesn't have to be any could be like an infographic download, right? Um, so maybe it's just at the end, if they really liked it, here's like the three secrets we didn't share, but they have to give their email to get it or something like yes, that. Yes, you know, I think that would work. I mean, my wife had uh, her, her podcast was named uh, the Positivity Strategist Podcast, and she had a downloadable uh, Positivity Lens, which was a mini sort of key, key points from the guest key comments or solutions from like, you know, like in your case, it might be secrets, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but she had that from the guests and we will basically have that as the content lock piece in the middle of or somewhere within the show notes. So here the idea was that, yes, the show were long form show notes, but in the middle of it, you had a piece of content from the guest insights that, you know, you could unlock. We didn't see that much take up on it. Um, I think it just, it, it becomes a... a traditional conversion optimization exercise of how desirable is that thing that you're trying to share? You know, how much, how badly are your visitors, your listeners are, uh, how badly are they going to want that? Um, and that's something that is job one anyway, right? In terms of coming up with your podcast title, coming up with something that's click friendly and that seems enticing in the search results in the first place, because even if you are on page one, with something that's not the whole game you know you need to you convey your message you need to have a podcast title an episode title that uh, you know is attractive to people and so it doesn't begin and end with being on search one it's you know it, it uh, you know those the level of thinking that you're introducing here of of adding and having additional secret i mean i think that's what's going to really grab attention if if you do that well as you will you talked about syndication. So I'd like to kind of expand on that a little bit. As far as, you know, I see some podcasters, they're taking their podcast. Um, you know, we're doing this audio and video, but the podcast, um, you know, is going to be basically audio. But then if we were just doing this audio and not video, we could take it and upload it into a, a YouTube playlist where it's just audio with maybe just a, a graphic. So do you, is that part of your syndication? Do you see uploading the audio or audio and video to YouTube um, as part of the syndication? And can you just kind of like walk through like the top syndication points of a checklist for that? I think, yeah, a lot of people are way into that. And there have been a number of solutions that have grown around it. Headliner, for example, mm -hmm. and other, uh, other 
platforms that allow you and that inter starting to integrate with podcasting platforms, for example, on the Libsyn backend today, you have a way of actually exporting a snippet of an episode that's audio only directly into Headliner. And in Headliner, you can now select and make a number of choices. So the question becomes, what is it that you're sharing? Are you sharing just a small snippet that drives traffic back to your website? That's where I come down, right? It's like, I want everything to eventually just tease content you know, that, that, that drives some traffic back to my site and allows me to engage in, with my audience there. So I would not be, uh, personally, I, because other people do this and there's nothing wrong. I think this is perfectly valid. If I had a huge YouTube channel with millions of followers, it would be enough. You know, mm -hmm. like that would be where my focus goes. It depends on how big your platform are and where you are, you know, what level of maturity your social media and, and PR presence already has. But if you're starting out and you're, where you're trying to drive that, the small one minute clips that are, you know, that can work on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, as well as on YouTube as a teaser that is, gives a key highlight from a guest or something a guest might've said with maybe your insight. If you can produce that, the, you know, the platforms now make that very easy to produce. And I think that's a great part of the marketing mix and of the promotion mix for podcasts. Um, you know, turning an entire interview into a video, even with two talking heads, it's kind of pretty boring. And it's also very ubiquitous at the moment in this age of, of social distancing and everyone is on Zoom now. So I think there's a bit of exhaustion setting in from that as well. Um, and, you know, but yes, I think it's a, you know, I, I definitely do see value and see it as part of the overall syndication mix on social media anyway. I'm a big believer in syndication, whether it's the podcast syndication or blog post syndication or media coverage and then syndicate it. Um, there's, so the whole duplicate content issue I run into with my clients, oh, it's going to be duplicate content. We can't yes. syndicate it. Um, but syndication is definitely, you know, more of a modern day way to optimize and get the word out. But what is your opinion? So I just was thinking, so if you publish your, if you take your, the video um, version of your audio and publish it to um, a playlist on YouTube and you take your title from your article and use that as the title on the video and you take your show note version and use that as the description, um, are you going to, are you going to be able to still um, get any traction within YouTube or is Google going to see that as like competing? Like how, What's your opinion on that? Should we change the title up a bit and change out the description or does it not matter? You too. Oh, that's interesting. I think that, um, I mean, my theory on that, no, I do not know the answer. Um, I, I, my theory on that would be is, is that if you have long form show notes, the, the AI and the algorithm that processes that and unearths what that article on your website should rank for is way different than the AI algorithm that is operating on YouTube and that is processing you for tags and, and key phrases and so forth. So what I'm thinking is a both and, I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to do both. I think I would make sure that the YouTube video, I mean, let them fight it out. I don't think that it would result in a lot of cannibalization. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, YouTube search, I mean, if you, um, if you do a, if you plan the content, if you are planning to address a particular topic with your podcast episode and you do some pre-recording research on that key phrase and you see that the top 10 search results for that key phrase include a bunch of YouTube videos, then, you know, it will give me pause and you might think that like, wow, okay, so that's interesting. You know, that is a, that is a topic that's yielding some YouTube results in the Google web browser that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I would pay attention to, to that fact, but most of the time it, that does not happen. But when you go to YouTube and you type in that same search term, you're going to get a series of videos no matter what, right? So that's an exclusively video-driven platform. Right, right. And so I think that it's a both and. I think you could optimize for YouTube video uh, optimization. We're using tools like TubeBuddy and, and other mm -hmm. sort of YouTube SEO tools. Um, and so I think that that's, a, um, uh, that, that's where the search results, I think, would it'd be interesting. I don't know the answer fully, but I would... I'll let you know if I see, yeah, see, see, if I see what, what, what I'm seeing with ours. So one of my pet peeves when it comes to, we, we'll do a social PR, social media audit 
um, and when YouTube is part of it, just when this is just in general, but if you're, if you are doing this, if you are going to use YouTube and put your episodes on YouTube and use the title and the, the description to not have any links, like a boiler boilerplate of like where your episodes can be found if they want to subscribe on, um, you know, the Apple platform or, um, Spotify or your website, like having that kind of like the signature at the end of the description on YouTube of taking them off YouTube and letting them go to your website. Like there's so many brands that whether it's a podcast episode or just a YouTube video where they don't put anything in the description with links. And it's just like, why? Like, how could you not do this? Or, you know, the title is just like, you know, conference or something generic, like, you know, it doesn't really describe, it's not going to be found in search. Uh, how do you feel about this? I, you know, like we've, we've had an interesting discussion the other day with, with someone who's, the question is, do you put 15, 20 links on your YouTube video or do you only put one to where people are forced to go to your website to get the rest of the references, right? So let's say that you have a guest that's, a, you know, giving a lot of great tips and resources and, and links. Do you put those links, you know, directly into your Google, you know, into your YouTube description or do you put a single link to the show article? And that's usually where we come down with the exception of if you have affiliate products and other sorts of tips that your video talks about, you know, we like putting that in directly into the YouTube video, but in terms of guest provided links or additional resources and things like that, I, I were, we're sort of debating as to should you have more than one, you know, is it okay to, to have a description that's a relatively solid teaser because we never put the entire article into the YouTube video. You know, we, we, we only put a teaser yep. description with a link to the article as it appeared on our website um, or on the client's website in this case. Yeah. Yeah. So our take on that is typically um, we recommend putting in the very first, few characters of the description, like, you know, the first sentence where they can, it's visible, um, put the, a URL to the website so that mm -hmm. they can quickly just click through if they want to and just not watch the video and whatever. But in the whole description at the end, we recommend putting the social, the subscribe, you know, in this case, the podcast places to subscribe and the website, because if you're looking at it like top of funnel, like you're just kind of getting to know this person maybe, and they're not ready to buy, like really go straight to the website. Um, maybe they'll, they would just rather follow you on Instagram to see what you're like, or maybe yeah. they just they they know they want to subscribe to you on Spotify and you just like spoon fed it to them. So that's, that's our take on that. That's great. I think that's great advice. I think that, you know, I make that mistake too, of not having all the other social channels, you know, on, on each video. So um, noted. Yeah. I, think that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless it's like the only way we wouldn't do that would be if it's just a YouTube video that we're using as a paid ad for PPC. Yeah. And we want to just kind of squeeze them into, you know, it's more of middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. And we're trying to get them to sign up for a program or sign up for something or do something. We don't want to give them all the choices. Yes. No, that's cool. Can you share, we, we, I have just a few more minutes um, and I know you do too. Can you share your top tools that are you love right now to use for various things within podcasting, whether it's syndication or SEO? Sure. I, I think, you know, there are a number of them um, that we, you know, that we use. I think the content syndication one that we, that's been a real game changer for us is a Belgian platform called Story Chief. And um, it's, it handles the content distribution of articles, whether they're podcasting or not. It's, it's audio and podcast friendly but it addresses what you brought up a few minutes ago and that concern around duplicate content and the real canonical tag that needs to be properly implemented on all the platforms that you publish, it does that automatically. So when you publish and cross publish to Medium or to Blogger or to multiple other websites, all of the, you know, you get to, you get to determine the master, you know, where the, where the, um, Google credit and Google juice is going to be attributed to. So you select a master destination and all the other syndication destinations are then receiving or, are, you know, getting the real canonical tag. So um, it's also handled social media and, and a bunch of other things. We, we actually do offer a discount as well. I mean, maybe I can send you the link to, 
you know, yeah. to that platform. But uh, that, it, you know, that's been a game changer for us because when we schedule it out, we can basically create a three week long trickle campaign that sends it to multiple websites, multiple social media channels, you know, that has variations of tweets and images that can be baked in. You know, there are, there are a lot of possibilities with this platform and we, we love that for content production. It's a collaborative writing environment. You can have team members meet you and chat inside the creation of our store. So we have an offshore team that helps us create show notes for our clients, for example, and we can communicate with them. It's got an approval cycle. Um, it has a built-in SEO training tool that's much like Yoast for those folks oh, nice. familiar with uh, yeah. with WordPress, right? So it's baked into a sidebar. It has a readability optimizer built in. So it comes with a rich set of tools for you to, to do intentional SEO optimized content syndication. Um, and not just for podcasts, of course, but for you know blogs and articles as well. So that would be one. Um, we love using uh, Mangools as a for our SEO suite. I mean, I use SEMrush, I use other tool sets that are much more on an enterprise level and they have, uh, you know, petabytes of data there, but they're expensive platforms. Mm -hmm. And I feel that um, Mangools and KW Finder is sort of like for, for our average podcast client who's interested in writing intentional and creating their episodes intentionally, they found it a really easy to use and easy to understand way of getting familiar and familiarizing themselves with SEO. So those, those would be my two top tips for, for platforms is KW Finder, which is part of a suite of tools by Mangools. And how do you, how do you spell Friday. that? M-A-N-G-O-O-L-S, Mangools. Okay, we'll it. put yeah. that in the show notes for sure. What about Descript? Have you used that or is that? Yes, uh, I love Descript. Actually, one of my, one of my, top performing in terms of attracting traffic posts is a treatise on, on five innovative podcast recording platforms. And uh, Descript is definitely one. And Descript is sort of like for, how would you describe it to people who have not used the platform before? I mean, it, it's similar to Otter. If you do use Otter, it's, um, it's an app on the iPhone where it's just like it uses artificial intelligence to transcribe, but it's like perfect. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> and what's cool about Descript is that you actually get audio tracks and you can do a global search and replace for ohms and it will actually modify your audio and will do your audio cuts and edits for you. So you could highlight a sentence or two sentences from an episode and hit delete. And what it will do is the AI will automatically process those edits with nicely done crossfades before and after the clip and produce that. So the desktop version of, uh, of Descript handles that and they are updating this platform pretty regularly. They're introducing the ability to have multiple tracks. I think they're working on video editing as well. So it's a fantastic you know, platform for saving a lot of time and for doing some sort of global search and replace for the um you knows, which I'm very guilty of. <laughs> Well, we started using it right when I started producing Social PR Secrets, and I we told you how you know we did the back from the archives episodes, and we brought them all into Descript, if that's how you pronounce it, and um, it was just a lifesaver because we were able to just see everything, edit. I did the intros right into the audio, and you know, kind of move things around. So it was. I don't know how we would have done it without it. I don't know what else it would. You know, I just the whole thing was just made it so much easier it's and, an amazing yeah, it's yeah. An amazing it's amazing tech and uh, i mean there are other platforms out there i don't know whether you've heard of a hindenburg journalist mm -mm. that's a um, storytelling you know lots of different clips that need to be assembled into something platform and you know it's a lot more user friendly and does automatic processing of audio clips so if you and i you know if you were to put together a retrospective of your 60 best interviews and you were to assemble, you know, 60 clips that you now need to somehow stitch together and you would want to make sure that they are voice leveled and noise reduced and all of those other sort of pretty tedious steps that are part of the audio editing process. A Hindenburg Journalist uh, is a is a environment where you can do that and 
arrange and assemble those clips very easily. And it does the automatic processing. Another platform that I would mention is Alitu. Um, I think out of Scotland. Um, I forget the guy's name. You know, we, how, we, how do you spell uh, that? A L I T U. Okay. And it's um, it's a similar kind of a thing where you have a pattern with an intro and an outro, and it does some automated processing of you upload your audio. It adds the intro, it adds the outro, and does the uploading. So I think the the manual process of creating audio. There are some platforms that are really interesting, like like these that are springing up, um, you know, not perhaps on the NPR level, but, you know, but allowing not that tech geeky, you know, fanboy type audience that, that doesn't get off on the auditing process, you know, like there are some platforms now that make that entire experience a lot easier and a lot more doable. Is it too late to start a podcast? <laughs> no, it's no. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, is, that's like asking: Is it too late to publish any content? Yeah. You know, so I I equate the two. I think it's a. Is it a more difficult environment right now? Podcast listens are down fifteen percent through COVID and through riots See, I, and what we have. I thought I would have thought the opposite. So when we were at Podfest, I somebody threw out a stat that they were predicting that. Um, podcast listenership was going to increase because of everybody, you know, stay at home and they were going to have more opportunities to learn about podcasts and listen to more and explore more, but that didn't happen. Well, the gyms are closed. You're not yeah. commuting in your car anymore. True. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going out for runs. Like if you live in Manhattan, you know, at the, or you're at least you haven't. And so I think that the behavior patterns that we've incorporated podcast listening into our lives based on those behavior patterns have gotten super disrupted. And so I think that explains now that it's a few months later, yeah. most industry folks think that, you know, it's declined 15 to 20%. There are some indications that it's recovering to what extent it will recover is a little unclear, but you are not seeing the growth that we're seeing on 60,000 new podcasts published in April alone. Mm -hmm. right? So where is that? Where is the commensurate uptick? in listenership when you compare those two. And that's what makes this, if you are focused on, and that is why this entire conversation is the, the way to think about this from our perspective. The optimization. Is the, is the optimization, is, is, the, is the articles, is publishing the content into multi-channel syndication with a multi-channel syndication intent and not do be so overly focused on downloads and listens and audio only. You're producing some thing that you want to share with the world and make it as widely available as you can. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of old school podcasters would ding me for that, for even, I don't, I'm not promoting that. I'm saying it's a both end. It might mm -hmm. come back and you might have an audio show that's on the audio side alone, super successful. It's, but I think that you would want to cover the SEO bases and the content syndication bases as well, not because of the times we live in, but you know, but more because you've paid, you put so much effort and energy and time into it already anyway. So this is something that should just be part of your marketing mix and the promotion mix for the content, the audio content, the, the podcast content that you've just created. Definitely. So can you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you recommend some sources of where you got these stats from just so we can keep up on like the the podcast industry stats? Well, the best site to look at in, in a way is, is podnews.net. Okay. I think that it aggregates industry stats. Uh, there's also a shout out to, um, to another colleague of mine. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, there's the podcast business journal. There are a number of podcasting publications now that, uh, you know, that, that aggregate. And so some of these studies by Edison Research, for example, and by some of the other podcast industry uh, measurement, uh, you know, that, and, and that, this happens at a very high level. I mean, we've been mostly talking about indie podcasters and not the Joe Rogans yeah. and, you know, and not those folks. Now, we do have some clients that are, you know, major in the way that they're like, you know, the United Nations, for example, or Pfizer, you know, like, and they think of themselves as, as major publishers, right? But you know, when it comes to um, when it comes to the indie podcasting community, um, you know the, the you know the stats that they get from Libsyn and elsewhere 
um, that's not the only place to look. You know, you could go to podnews.net and get an aggregate summary of where the entire industry from, you know, what's going on at Spotify to what Apple Podcasts is doing generally to what NPR and the major players in the industry are doing all the way down to, you know, how that impacts us as maybe indie podcasters. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for those sources. We'll definitely look them up. And we talked a little bit before we went on the air just about, you know, kind of what you've been doing in your downtime to kind of stay sane in this unprecedented time we're going through. Can you give some tips on what you do and maybe what our listeners can do to to go offline and relax? <laughs> to stay sane. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I think that, you know, podcast listening in general is a good option for that because you will find content that's not necessarily about politics or the times or the coronavirus. Um, and, and so uh, I've started personally just listening and reconnecting with just listening to music again. And, uh, but so, yeah, the audio medium is a good medium and I'm trying to basically establish some new listening patterns for myself. Like, you know, like we were saying, whether you're going to the gym or you're doing a commute or you're riding on your bike and whether that's the usual place that you listen, I'm getting around now to, you know, just needing to step away from the insanity and, and, and from the exhaustion of it all and, and somehow put my mind in a different state. And I think audio is, the great, is a great medium to do that. Do you have a couple of favorite podcasts that you could share that are like non-news and kind of that you like? Oh gosh, well you know I like I I, I listen to like history podcasts and uh, I'm you know no I don't want to really uh, I might send you a list to include okay. in the show yeah. notes of a couple. Okay. Uh, okay. But, Great. Uh, but you know we're we're also since we're a podcast production agency you know we're listening to our clients' podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Def- definitely send a list of um, some of your favorite podcasts. And I'd love to include them in the show notes. And Jurgen, will you also share about your SEO Saturdays and anything else where we can find you and some of your social channels and anything that you have coming up? Oh, well, thank you for asking about that. Yes, seosaturdays.com. You can go there if you're a podcaster and you want to um, you know, have your show be considered and worked on live on air. It's been kind of a fun series of live streams. And I know you've been on there. You've been a guest. We've loved having you. And uh, so we do a live cast every two weeks or so. And uh, to basically help podcasters with doing live SEO research on air. And that means that we might try to find a great uh, SEO-based podcast title for you that a lot of people search for, like those examples we talked about a little earlier. We might try to do some research on episodes that you have coming up. We might put your content into one of these content optimization tools like Topic to try to design an episode or an interview that will cover a topic comprehensively. So we do all this kind of stuff in real time and, you know, occasionally there are tech issues and, you know, it's like, it's, it's a messy live stream from time to time, but it's also been a lot of fun. And so uh, we broadcast that and that's just seosaturdays.com. And you can actually send us your podcast details for consideration and be, you know, be a guest on the show. Um, and the other place, of course, is polymash, P-O-L-Y-M-A-S-H.com. And that's our main website. I think you can go to polymash.com slash podcasting if that's the only thing you're interested in because that's our podcasting portal. And uh, those will be the, the two best places to find us. I'll just Google. I mean, look, I'm supposed to be in SEO. Just Google polymash. <laughs> you'll get a thousand results. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you'll get a few choices of, of, of channels and social channels. We have a um, marketing. We have a group on uh, a podcasters, SEO and uh, conversion optimization group as well. So I would invite people to, you know, join us on that group. It's a private group, but we admit anybody who's interested in. in, I'm definitely going to join. I don't think I'm in the group. I'm going to get on the group. Oh, cool. And we broadcast, you know, the show, the SEO Saturday show goes out to Twitch, to YouTube, to Facebook channels. I mean, actually the uh, Florida Podcasters Association, you know, the, the folks that are running the Podfest, uh, you know, I'm he, he's letting me live stream into that group as well. Oh, so, cool. uh, you know, so it's nice. So we're tr- trying to multi syndicate uh, the live stream as well. Um, but that's still, we've only started it for a couple of months and it's still modest size in terms of following. 
uh, and in terms of what it does for our YouTube channel. I mean, I, I do a review of a piece of podcast gear and it instantly gets like a thousand listens, you know, or views on YouTube. But the, you know, the longer form lives are a different, you know, we're not doing it for the ratings. We're not doing it to get new followers on YouTube. We're genuinely there to help podcasters discover this way of promoting and growing their show. That's, that's really cool. So I haven't actually officially announced this yet, but um, it's still in the work. So there's um, a radio station called Turfs Up Radio. And they've asked me and um, I'm going to co-host a, a show called The Digital Contractor. And it's basically cool. for the landscape industry, all different types of topics throughout the day and the week. Um, so we're going to talk about basically digital marketing and for the landscape industry, but you know, large business, small business. So maybe you can be a guest on the show. <laughs> you know, I, well, all the landscapers I know listen to podcasts anyway, but um, yeah. yeah. So whether it's podcasting or whether it's just plain marketing and, and, you know, conversion that this type of, you know, like, because yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of those, um, a lot of the sites that we see in different verticals that we see, um, you know, could use the, some input or like are fun to talk about. So that's exciting. You're starting this when? Is this live on? Is this going to be a live it, radio it's show? It's going to be a live radio show, but then they, they record it um, and then they play it throughout the week. So I, I, we haven't decided. I think we're going to start in July. I think it's going to be Fridays. We'll record it live or, you know, to go live and just talk for an hour about marketing, SEO, public relations, social media, and as it relates to landscapers. Cool. And so are you having landscape? landscapers successful landscapers on it as guests or who how who are you focusing on in terms of the industry that our listenership is the landscape industry landscape entre entrepreneurs basically um so we are still in the development stage we're kind of taking it over from somebody else um and rebranding it so it's kind of still still on the works but by the time this episode goes live hopefully it'll be we'll have it all worked out i'll keep oh. you posted Congratulations. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's exciting. Yeah. So like, you know, live on air. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, Jurgen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been super interesting. We've gone over an hour. I really appreciate all oh, the gosh, well, you know, you social PR secrets. Yeah, all the social PR secrets that you shared on podcasting, SEO and more. And um, thank you so much. And I'll see you on SEO Saturdays. Everybody else meet me there. <laughs> Absolutely. Can't wait to see you again. Bye for now. Bye. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.